to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Once there was someone who said such wonderful things and did such amazing things that people began to follow him. And as they followed him, he told them about a special place called the Kingdom of Heaven. They didn't understand what it was, but they gathered near him. He would touch people who no one else would touch, and he would heal people who were hurting. The people followed him, and he told them that the kingdom of heaven was right here with them. As he walked along on this road to Jerusalem, the people of God went with him. Every year, the people of God go to Jerusalem, the city of God, to celebrate God leading them from slavery to freedom. This year, when Jesus got close to Jerusalem, the people began to cheer and call out. They said, Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They hoped that Jesus would be their new king. Unfortunately, the people who were kings and had all of the power were very afraid of Jesus. They were scared and they were angry. They were afraid that he was going to lead all of these people to overthrow and take their power from them, and it made them very scared. It made them so scared that they arrested him, and they charged him and said, Do you say you are king of these people? And Jesus said, You say that. But the crowd got all excited and started cheering for his death. And so the people in charge decided that they would put him on a cross and wait for him to die. His friends were so sad. They drew close to the cross and watched but they could do nothing to keep Jesus from dying. They watched. And when he had died, they left. But the women stayed. A man named Joseph of Arimathea came and took his body down from the cross. 
He wrapped it in bands of cloth and took it to a cemetery where they put the body inside a tomb and rolled a heavy stone door in front of it. The women stayed and watched as this happened. They watched Jesus' body be put in here. To celebrate Jesus' body with oil and perfume. The Sabbath day came. And something happened in that tomb. Early in the morning, the next day, just as the sun was beginning to rise, the women came to the tomb which they had prepared for Jesus' body. When they got there, they noticed that the stone had been rolled away. And they looked inside, and they didn't see anything. Suddenly, two people in dazzling, sparkling, shining clothes showed up and said to the women, Why are you looking in this place for dead people, for someone who is alive. Jesus is not here. He has risen. Don't you remember he told you when you were still in Galilee that he would be put on a cross to die, that he would be buried in a tomb, and on the third day, that he would rise. As the women walked home, they remembered that Jesus had told them all of these things. And they were amazed. They ran back to the disciples, and they told them everything that the angels had told them at the tomb. They said all of these things, don't you remember? But the disciples thought, Women were crazy. What are they talking about? They didn't believe them. But Simon jumped up and ran to the tomb and looked in. And all he found were the clothes that he'd been wrapped in, laying inside the tomb. And he wondered, what happened? Our story today ends here. I feel like Peter. I wonder what happened. I wonder why this dark place had to happen. 
why people had to be so angry with Jesus. Sometimes I feel like the women who were surprised and expected to see Jesus' dead body, but didn't. Sometimes I feel like the disciples where I don't even believe it. I can't imagine such a thing happening. I wonder what you think about this story. So many things in this story to see and to wonder about. I love about the Easter story that Luke says it takes place at early dawn. One translator called it deep dawn. I don't know how many of you are often up at early dawn. If you are, you're probably grumpy about it. Not watching the miracle that's unfolding. But there is a moment every single morning, on every single day, when night yields to day. There's a moment when in the slow creep of the earth's turning, the darkness has pushed back inch by inch, particle by particle. In early dawn, there's just enough light peeking around the curvature of the earth to reveal what darkness has hidden. The first thing you need to know about Easter is it happens at early dawn. I don't know if you could smell the spices that the women were carrying. The spices they bring that morning are used to cover the stench of a body's decay. They might even be used to hasten that unseemly decay. The spices represent our best effort at dealing with the indignity of our death. They cover it up with a bit of beauty. The women bring those spices to honor what little is left of their beloved friend, even after his spirit has gone away. These women that show up at the tomb on Easter morning They have listened to Jesus talk to them. They have followed after him. They have been seen by him and heard by him and cared for by him. They love him dearly. And so they go to his tomb early in the morning carrying the spices. And what they see at Jesus' tomb changes everything. There's no corpse There are two figures in dazzling clothes. They hear the words, Jesus is risen. And they remember. They remember all the things that he had shared with them while he was still teaching. And then Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, James's mother, went back to the male disciples to tell them all the things that they had seen and heard. And the disciples... They were unmoved. To them, the idea that Jesus was risen from the dead sounded like, what did the story call it? An idle tale. Sounded like an idle tale. And these women appeared to them like unbelievers. 
reliable witnesses. Unreliable witnesses telling idle tales that take place at deep dawn that controvert the plain fact of death. Throughout this season of Lent, over the last couple of weeks, we have been telling a story. It is a grand story and a beautiful story, a powerful story about what it is to be a human being. Our story has said that we are created by God in love and for love. God makes you good and so that you can do good. Nothing ever changes that basic truth about our human nature. It's our original blessing. And yet, amidst this goodness, sin manages to creep in. It does. Sin is anything that you and I do to deny the truth of love. We reject love. We do. All of us do. We choose a life that is less than the fullness of love. And these decisions have consequences. We feel the effects of sin every day. It's like a weight on our back. It leaves a stain. It's like a debt we owe. We miss the mark entirely. But God is God. And because God is love, we know that God comes to us when we sin again and again and again with grace after grace after grace. God's solution for sin is grace. It's not revenge. It's not anger, it's not punishment, it's not avoidance, it's not denial. God's answer to sin is, I love you, I care for you, I've got you. God's grace whispers to us again and again and again, and when we receive this love, it lifts the weight, it washes clean the stain, it pays off the debt, it gives us every chance to step up again and again and aim for that good mark. Throughout this season, I've been trying to tell you what grace sounds like, what words it uses to speak to us, to remind us who we are, for crying out loud, when you were here that Sunday, I even made some of you put a sock with eyeballs on your hands. And you talked to your sin using words of grace to disarm and transform your own relationship with sin. God speaks softly, but God's grace is relentless and resourceful and it is tough. God's grace will do anything, go anywhere, even to hell, to win you back to the way of love. And nowhere do we know grace better than in the person of Jesus. As we gathered as a church community over this past week, during Holy Week, we told a different part of our sacred story, and Aaron reminded us again of that journey this morning. The story we tell during Holy Week is a hard story. It's a story in which sin seems to overwhelm grace and defeat it. Jesus rides up into what should be his coronation, and he's swept up by sin, 
by Judas's betrayal, by jealousy among the leaders, by fear among his own friends, by the cruelty of the empire. In the story we read this week, sin takes grace and nails it to a cross. It taunts grace. It laughs at grace. It tells grace how weak it is. And sin leaves grace there to die. The story we tell during Holy Week never fails to set off alarm bells inside me because of how real it is. Because it's never hard for any one of us to look around at the world in which we live and see that sin continues to punish grace. It's been most plain these days in the images of war on our screens, the suffering of the Ukrainian people is wrenching to watch. Sin keeps punishing grace. Sin punishes grace and our failure to love and protect each other during these two long years of this pandemic. Instead of doing whatever it is that we could, whatever was necessary to keep each other healthy and alive, we're fighting with each other over whether we should get a shot in our arm or wear a mask on our face. 986,000 of us are gone. Sin keeps punishing grace. There are a hundred things I could name, a hundred examples, ways that we could look out into the world that we share and see this process continuing to happen. Every day, you and I, in the rhythm of our lives, are pulled from the way of love by those who try and tell us other stories. They want to tell us stories that prioritize our own self-interest prioritize national glory. They tell us to use our power at any cost. It's not hard to look at the world around us and see sin laughing at grace as it hangs up to die and to wonder if these stories aren't the true ones. I have to confess that often I'm afraid I will lose hope that I'll begin to believe those other stories, that I'll just end up living my life as a spice bearer, someone who covers up the smell of sin, instead of one who brings the good news of God's love and the triumph of God's grace. So thank God for this day. Thank God for Easter morning. What we see and hear on this day is a tale that says God comes to us again. God finds us where we are. God rolls away stones. God gets by our locked doors. God gets around our cynicism and disarms our fear. Just like God did generations ago 
At the banks of the Red Sea, God's grace breaks in to transform this world in the most surprising and confounding of ways. God's love has ways beyond that which you can even imagine. God's love for you and I and creation is the most powerful force in all of this world. God's grace in Jesus Christ cannot be kept in the tomb. There is nothing, nothing that separates us from love. Do you believe it? Do you believe that grace will ultimately carry the day? It's okay if part of you still wonders. It's okay if part of you still has your doubts. Even the most inspired disciple of Jesus here this morning has particles of doubt and faith that mix like the darkness and the light at dawn. My understanding of this Easter story and what it means was forever changed by my friend Rick Spaulding, who is now honorably retired and was a member of my preaching group. Rick wrote one year about Luke's Easter story, and he says that it is no accident that Luke sets Easter at early dawn, at deep dawn. There's a moment, Rick says, every day when the night infinitesimally turns itself revealing some startling new side of its nature, one atom at a time. Then Rick says, I suspect that most of us approach Easter through something like deep dawn. It's that time when you can't be absolutely sure, not yet, what it is that you are seeing I have a feeling, Rick says, that Easter steals upon us atom by atom, not as a burst of celestial trumpets, but as an infinitesimal turning of our nature towards its wholeness. This secret, he says, is enacted over our heads and within our very tissues every day. So maybe the next time you happen to be up at early dawn, you might be a little less grumpy. You might look over your head or even within your very tissue, and know that there is a story that is unfolding there. And even while some people think this is an idle tale, a story told by fools, by the weak, by wishful thinkers, and by unreliable narrators, 
We know this story. Grace wins. Love reigns. Christ is risen. Let the people say, Amen.